All right, so we're in John chapter 1. We're looking at, oh, praise his name forever. It comes from a holy night. We've done three studies. This is the third one. We've read the verses in the hymn, which I'll do in a moment. But this morning, we're going to be in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. So if you have your Bibles, I hope you do. You have your device. If you would, would get that out and turn to that page, John chapter 1. I'm going to read just a few verses. I want to pray, and then we'll read the verse 3 of a holy night, and we'll Go into this uh, time this morning. Oh, praise his name forever. So John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Notice, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word actually is tabernacled. Tabernacled among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John, that's the Baptist, bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through, here's who we're talking about, Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, that is Jesus Christ, who is in the bosom of the Father, who is the heart of God, he has Declared him. Let's pray. So, Lord, I pray that you'd take, bless these things I prepared. Break them fresh for us, Lord. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And your word is alive and powerful. And man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We need you, Lord. We need to be hearing from you. We need to be responding to you. We want to grow in our faith. We want to grow in trusting you and casting all our cares upon you, knowing that you care for us. Lord, I would say, please forgive us, cleanse us by your blood, that we might walk with you in spirit and truth, that you might be glorified in and through our lives. And we're thankful that you are good and gracious and merciful. And that, Lord, you will not despise the brokenhearted and those that are having, Lord, you came to set us free, to give us new life. And for that, we are forever, forever and ever thankful. So we praise your name this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, O Holy Night, it reflects on the birth of Jesus, but really the redemption of mankind. So, verse 3, which we sang, says this. Truly, he taught us to love one another, and truly he did. In his name, listen, in his name we know love. His law is love, and his gospel is peace. In Jesus' name we have peace with God and the peace of God. Chains shall he break. For the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. In Jesus' name we are forgiven, and in Jesus' name we are set free. Sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus raise we. In his name our hearts rejoice. He's the song of our lives. Let let all within us praise his holy name. Christ is the Lord, oh praise his name forever. His power and glory evermore proclaimed. So we praise his holy name. We praise him forever. 
and indeed we shall. We're going to close the study looking at Revelation a little bit this morning. Oh, praise and proclaim his power and glory. Oh, praise his name forever. That is the name of Jesus. So we've looked at a weary world rejoices. We've looked at he knows our need. Final one, oh, praise his name forever. Now here's the banner passage that I've put over this whole study. In Romans chapter 15, Paul the apostle said this. For whatever things were written for our, were written, bef- were written before, were written for our learning, that we may, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, what? Might have hope. So the scriptures. He said that, and then he prayed this, Romans 15, again, verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, how? In believing that you may abound in hope, how? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. These are all ours through what Jesus Christ has done for us in us receiving him as Lord and Savior. So my faith in Jesus is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. My hope in Jesus, I eagerly wait for it with perseverance. So in this life, I'm hoping, but that doesn't mean I just glide along. No, it requires perseverance. I've got to give myself to staying with it to discipline my life by the power of the Holy Spirit. So my hope not only desires something good in the future, I expect it. You expect that? That's the hope that we have. My hope is, is, is a confident expectation, being fully convinced that what God has promised, he is also able to perform. Now, you might look at your life and say, there's no way. I'm such a mess. <laughs> the work that God began in you, he will complete it. He will do it. You just stay in there. You hang in there. Like Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. It's hanging in there in your relationship with God. He will do the things he wants to accomplish as we respond to him in faith, repentance, and obedience. So my hope is anchored in the word of God. Ultimately, my hope is in the word of God, as we just read, made flesh in Jesus Christ. He is the savior of my soul. So I want to continue just to direct us this holiday season to keeping our eyes on Jesus. Helen Keller said this, keep your face to the sun and you will never see the shadows, unquote. And I say take that S-U-N and make it capital S-O-N. If we can keep our eyes on Jesus, we will see through the shadows. We will see past the shadows. You see, some say, well, faith in God is like blind. You're having this blind faith. Oh, no, no, no. Faith is not, I don't see less, I see more because I see God. And that's what faith does, faith in Christ. You gotta have the right person <laughs> centered there. So praise his name forever. The first thing that comes to, came to my mind, in verses one through nine, is that we are forever bearing witness that, listen, Jesus is God. Can I hear an amen? Forever bearing witness that Jesus is God. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and listen, the word was God. Now, there are some that like the Lord was a God, and they'd like to make it what it isn't saying and what is not in the original language. Jesus is God. That is our hope, forever bearing witness to this fact. Jesus is God. Now, it says in the beginning, there are three pivotal beginnings, starting with the first verse in the Bible. In the beginning, God created. So we have the beginning of creation. In the epistle of 1 John, written by the same man who wrote the gospel of John we're in, he began both of his, the, the letter 
1 John and this book with in the beginning. And in 1 John, he says, the beginning, he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have seen, which we have heard, which we have handled, looked upon. He's speaking there, John is, about Jesus' earthly ministry. He was with him. He saw it. We'll look at this verse in a moment. But this beginning that we have here, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. That's the beginning that has no beginning. Speaking about the eternal God who became flesh and tabernacled among us. It's amazing. So we're forever bearing witness that Jesus is God. If he is not God, we have a problem. Now, we're bearing witness that Jesus is very God of very God. Where does that come from? It comes from Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. He says, Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, which means actually literally being very God of very God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, or as the ESV translated, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. In other words, he is God. He doesn't need to try to be God. He's not trying to pretend to be God. He is God. So Jesus being very God of God is impossible for us to wrap our minds around. It's called the incarnation. Now, we can only walk humbly as undeserving recipients of God's revelation of himself to us. We just humble ourselves and say, thank you, God, for revealing yourself to us. Now, in so doing, we then must give ourselves to being students of that revelation and then responders to the revelation as it is appropriate in being obedient to God. In other words, God can show us things, but if we're not responding to them in obedience, we're not going to be recipients of the benefit of obeying God. And I say, thank you, God. I don't always like what God has to say. How about you? I don't always like the exposing of my sin and God's saying that needs to be corrected and I will help you to correct it. I'll give you the power to overcome that. But it needs a response from my heart. It needs a response in my life. Repentance is a really, really good thing. The door into mercy and grace is through repentance. Salvation is through repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. It begins there with repentance. So, without question, this fact Bearing witness that Jesus is God is clearly delineated in the scriptures over and over. And we could go to many places where we say that's what the Bible says. That's what God revealed. He revealed it not only in the written word but in his son himself that he is God, very God of very God. And I think that needs a hallelujah. I mean, I don't understand, but I can't wrap my mind around that. But I tell you, God's wrapped his love in my heart around that. He is God. So Romans chapter 9, listen to this verse, verse 5. Of whom are the fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternally blessed God. Amen. Colossians chapter 2. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, the incarnation. 2 Timothy chapter 4. I charge you therefore... Before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Who is the judge? God's the judge. Jesus is yet because Jesus is God. 
and judgment will be given into his hands. So we're bearing witness that Jesus is God. He is our Savior. God spoke through the prophet Isaiah and said this, Isaiah 43, 11. I, even I, and the Lord, now listen, and beside me there is no Savior. That's powerful. Beside me there is no Savior. So in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, which we looked at in our first study, the angel said to Joseph about Mary, she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Jehovah is salvation. For he will save his people from their sins. He is Savior, therefore he is God. Luke chapter 2, verse 11, as the angel said to the shepherds in our second study, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. We are bearing witness that Jesus is God our Savior. Paul wrote to Titus, Titus chapter 2 and verse 10, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great what? God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's clear. There are those that would deny the deity of Jesus Christ. Let me say to you, he is God and he is our Savior. And because he is God, he can be our Savior. We're bearing witness that Jesus is God, our Savior, revealed to us. Now, as we declare that, we bear witness because we have seen him ourselves. We've met him ourselves. So the light, verse 5, shines in the darkness. The darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John the Baptist. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming in to the world. Listen, the thrill of hope is that God did not hide from us in the darkness, in our darkness. He came and revealed himself. The thrill of hope is that God did not abandon us in our lostness. He came and revealed himself to us. That's the hope we have. That's the thrill of hope. He revealed himself by the prophets in the scriptures. And then he revealed himself in person in, the, in his son, Jesus Christ. And so if you have your Bibles or you want to go to your, in your device, go to Hebrews chapter 1 for a moment. A lot of scripture today. I hope you'll appreciate it. I hope I'm, I'm, I trust the word of God so I know it's a great thing that we get into scriptures. You, you can give me an amen on that one. Amen. Hebrews 1, chapter 1. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the prophet, uh, by the prophets, has in his last days spoken to us by his son. Now notice, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world's, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, he is God manifested, and upholding all things by the word of his power. Now listen to these next, this one. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And I say, yeah. 
God gave us his word. The whole, Jesus said in the volume of the book, it's written of me to do your will, O God. And then in the, in, the, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. Jesus came in the revelation, the final full revelation of all that God had promised in this Messiah was in Jesus Christ. And so through his, he, he first revealed him through his prophets, his word, but then in person in Jesus Christ. Whoo! It's awesome. And that's what we are continually bearing with, that Jesus is God, he's our Savior, and he revealed himself in the world and for us. So he goes on to say this. For to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, today I begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. God never said that to the angels. There's only one he could say that to. That's the second person of the God and his son. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, listen, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. And they, worship him. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits, of, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers flames of fire. That's the angels. But to the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the and the, a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has, a, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth. The heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. And they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You're going to fold them up and they will be changed. But you are the same and your years will not fail. He's eternal. I'm excited. These are the truths that are ours and our hope is in Christ. He is God, he is Savior, and he's revealed himself to us. God sent his son to show us who he is. And when he purged our sins, he, he ascended back in heaven and he's seated on the throne as God. He came as a light to the world. He came through his words and his works to demonstrate we can know that we know that Jesus is God our Savior, who revealed himself to us. And so Jesus continually pointed to his works to back up what he was saying. In John chapter 14, fabulous chapter, Jesus said to his, the, the night he was, being, he was being betrayed, chapters 13 through 17 into 18, 19, we'll look at that a little bit on tomorrow night, just briefly. You see, Jesus came into the world to die. For this cause I've come into the world, for this cause I was sent to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who hears, hears my voice is of the truth. Do we want to hear the truth? Do we want to know what's going on? Jesus went to the cross to demonstrate, here is what's true. And so he said, let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I'm God. You can believe in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, he said, if it were not so, I would have told you, but I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and receive you to myself. There where I am, there you may be also. See, this life is a vapor. There's one day when Jesus promised he's going to take us to be with him in heaven, with him who is God, become man. And then he said this, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. Now, you got to love Thomas. He says, Lord... <laughs> We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? I mean, Lord, you keep talking about this way, this truth. And so Jesus said to him, 
some crazy words. Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you're going, or how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, those are radical words. He is either the Lord or he's a lunatic. He's a liar. As we look at the scriptures, it's so clear through his words and his works, he demonstrated those. Clear. In fact, his enemies were his, worst, were, were his best witnesses. He was claiming over and over that he is God. He is equal to the Father. They are one. I am the way, the truth, and the light. If you have known me, you have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. So then Philip says, look, would you just show us the Father and be sufficient? And they just don't get it. They're not understanding this. That Jesus is God among them. So Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, Philip, and yet you have not known me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. That's radical. You see me, you've seen God. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am the Father, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Jesus pointed, he said what he said, and he said, look what I've done. The light that shines that he is God. He is Savior. He is the one revealed to us in the incarnation. He said this later on, John 15. If the world hates you, you know they hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant's not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Listen, if they keep, kept my words, they'll keep yours also. There'll be an understanding that Jesus, God, he saved you, he revealed himself, and I'm now a part of his kingdom. That's what comes with belief through repentance. Then he said this, but all things he'll do to you for my name's sake because they have not known him who sent me. They don't believe he's God. They don't want to know that. Then he says this, if I had not come and spoken to them, Jesus, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He exposed it. He said, he who hates me hates my father also. Then he said, words first, then he said, if I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. You see, so believing these things is what changes everything. He is God, he has revealed himself, and I have received him. And now I understand he's God. I understand what he's done. I understand the necessity of my repentance. I understand what sin is. I understand they need to, to repent from that in order to be saved and be in right relationship with God. He said, but this happened, that the word might be fulfilled, which was written in the law. They hated me, listen, they hated me without a cause. You know, when I came to Christ, and many times I'm just, it, 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 it's, it's a baffling thing in some ways, that people can hate God and hate Jesus. And the only reason I, the, the, I understand that the reason they do is because they don't know him. 
You come to, in repentance and faith to Christ and you realize what he has done and who he is and all of a sudden the lights go on. And you realize, wow, even in my own blindness and darkness, I was sort of shunning this great God. In John chapter 10, the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered, Many good works I have shown you for my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. See, his own enemies knew exactly what he's saying. He is God. We could spend a lot of time here, as I already have. <laughs> Bearing witness that Jesus is God. I want to hammer that, if I can, into your heart. and Know this. God sits on the throne of your heart as a believer. He's God. What you are believing is true. What you're believing is the hope of all humanity, that God would do such things for us. Second one, forever being born of God by believing in Jesus. It's so simple. Notice what it says here. He was in the world. The world was made by him, through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, his own did not receive him. The world he created witnessed of him. Creation shouts God. Conscience shouts God. Christ is the final voice of God that indeed he is who he's claimed to be. And so his own, that witness, it remained, people remained ignorant, willingly ignorant of what they are seeing. His own, who should have known him, rejected him. That's what happened when he came. Because all the scriptures they had, yet they rejected him. But as many as received unto them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name who were born, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Those who receive him as God are those who become children of God. Those who believe in his name are those who are born of God. They know it is not by natural descent, not of blood, I'll say, we know, I, can't, I cannot work it, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of, I cannot will it. I might work my tail off to be righteous, it's not good enough. Jesus gave us the demands of the law, he says, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of God. You see, the law came, as we'll look at a moment, the law came not to make us righteous, God gave the law to show us how unrighteous we are and how in need we are of a savior. James likened the law, the scriptures, to a mirror. He said, you're looking at that perfect law of liberty, you see what you are, see, it's a, it reflects back to us our condition. And then you turn and walk away and you forget what you just saw. Now, a lot of us like to forget. I like to forget what I just saw in God's word. You see, God's word is alive and powerful. It, it divides between the thoughts and intents of the heart. Jesus said that the law is not outwardly, it's inwardly. God's looking at our hearts in the law. So if you lust after a woman to, to if you look after a woman to lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. If you're hating someone, you've already committed murder. God looks on the heart and the law exposes the motives of our hearts. And so it's like a mirror. And when I look into it, the, the law, it can't make me righteous. It can't save me. It has no power to do that. What God gave the law was that through the law, sin might be exceedingly sinful. Romans 5. So know this. It's a good thing to be under the conviction of the law of God. 
Because that's what's happening. That's what's real. That's what's true. So I may smash the mirror, but it hasn't changed anything here. Moses came down after having received the law. And he comes down, and there they are partying in idolatrous worship. And he takes and crashes them and shatters those tablets. Now, they may have shattered physically, but let me say to you, spiritually, they are intact and always will be. The purpose of the law that came through Moses is to expose our sin that we might come to God for our salvation. And so he came and revealed himself in the law, in the prophets, but then in person, in Jesus Christ. And we are born again, not because we've kept the law. You'd have to be more righteous than the Pharisees. Not because I've attained to some level of spirituality, religiosity. No, none of those things. Thank God it's none of those things. Because when I really understand what God sees, I understand the depravity of my heart. I understand the, the devastation that came when sin came into the world. And, then, and how seriously God takes us is looking to the cross where God put his son, hung his son, sent him to die. Jesus said, for this cause I've come into the world. He came to die to give his life a ransom for many. He paid the price for our sin. He paid the price for my salvation. He who knew no sin became sin for me. That I might become the righteousness of God through him. That's what Jesus did. And thus, we are born again. Not naturally. Not by working at it. Not by willing it but supernaturally through God's work and complete and finished work through God's will. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to what? Repentance. That's God's heart for you and for me. And that's what we are, we praise him for forever being born of God. I just simply believe in Jesus. Now that's not just a simple, well, I believe who he is. No, James says, do you believe in God? The devils believe and they tremble. See, it's a believing that's come to Repentance. Acts tells us it's repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's more than just a mental assent that Jesus is God. Okay, I, okay well, I'll think about that. No, no, it's understanding Jesus is God. And he came in with a message. And the message was repentance and turning to God. And he came to die on that cross and say, Who, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He's talking about himself as he declares that in John 3. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. And, and this is the combination that men love darkness rather than light. Therefore, they don't want to come to the light. They don't want to look in the mirror. They, don't want, to, they want nothing to do with that. They're fleeing because they like the darkness. And Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. That's what he offers. Wow. Wow. I've lost track of my notes here. Do you mind? <laughs> Romans 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, there's a good chance you'll be saved. Eh, eh. <laughs> You will be saved. Now notice, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness. You see, the problem is a heart issue. And in my heart, I come to realize I do not have a righteousness that can get me, that, that's been perfect. See, there's two ways to get to heaven. You can either live a perfect life. If I say, who's lived a perfect life? If any of you raised your hands, you just blew it because you lied. <laughs> But that's one way. The only righteousness that God will receive is a perfect 
righteousness, a perfect life. And Jesus lived that perfect life. So Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to convict the world of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. God received his son because he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross with our sin. He bore our sin, not his own, ours. Paid that price. And so with a heart one believes unto righteousness. What that says, in my heart, I know I'm not righteous. I don't have that righteousness. I can't stand before God right now in my own righteousness because it's not righteous. The perfection that God requires. And then he says this. And with the mouth, confession is made lineal unto salvation. I realize in my heart I'm not right with God. I'm willing now to confess that. And in confessing it and agreeing with God. That's what confession is. I agree with God. You're right. And I come to Christ. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting. That's the gospel. It's the gospel. Forever being born of God by believing. That's, we praise his name forever. What did you do to get saved? What did you add to your salvation? We can't add anything to God. And so as we're going through these, these things in life, we come back to this fact. I'm born again. I'm a new creation in Christ because Jesus died for my sins and I believed on him. I put my trust in him. I confessed with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I knew I wasn't righteous. I knew I needed his, his forgiveness, his righteousness and because of that I'm saved and no other reason. No other addition. Final thought. We're forever beholding the glory of Jesus our God. That's what we're doing forever. Praise his name Forever. See, this thing is, this life is a vapor. But what we have looking forward, what we're looking forward to, is literally out of this world. It's out of this world. And that's what God's promised us. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, John, I believe in John, 1 John, he was speaking there about the glory that he experienced in this world alongside the Savior of the world, Jesus. First John, he says there, that which, we have, that which was from the beginning, which we have seen, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, looked upon, our hands have handled. I think he's just thinking back. I was sitting with Jesus around that table. I was walking with him along the path. I was watching all the miracles he was doing. I was wondering and wondering and wondering beyond my wildest understanding of here is this man and I was beholding him. I was touching him. I was gazing upon him. I was studying him. And he's thinking back to those years with Jesus and the glory that he saw. He said, the life was manifested. We have seen, bear witness, declared to you that eternal life which was with the Father was manifested to us. You see, this glory of seeing Jesus is the very heart of God. He's in the bosom of God. And that's what we see. So if, you know, if, if, you would, if you're with me in your Bible, Jesus said this in John 17, 24. The end of that high priestly prayer, chapter 17. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am. Remember he said to him, don't let heart be troubled. I'm going to make you a mansion. I'm going to where I am. So now Jesus prays to close the whole of his high priestly prayer there before going to the cross. Father, I desire that they whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. And here it is. 
for you loved me before the foundation of the world. You know, we might think about heaven and all that around the throne. What we're going to be experiencing there is a love that is eternal. I mean, we don't clue on that. We've, we've just barely put a little drip in the ocean of the love of God. So I want them to be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory because you love me before the foundation of the world. I want these to experience that love that we just started here. And so the glory of Jesus in glory. He's the lion and he's the lamb. We worship him. And so Revelation chapter 5. John said this, who received it, the book of Revelation also, as well as the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and now the book of Revelation, the Apostle John. He said, I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. I believe that's the title deed to the earth. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seals. And I looked. Revelation 5, 6, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain. Verse 7, then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power, receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are... And all that are in them, I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever. Now, I can't even begin to fathom what that's going to In fact, if we were sort of physically placed in it, we would, we would explode. We have to have a change. <laughs> Revelation 19. Verse 6, I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. That's the church. You ain't seen nothing yet of the love of God for you. And then finally, final couple verses here. Revelation 21, 22, and 23. I saw no temple in it, New Jerusalem, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. That's what we're, that's what we're going. We are going to forever behold the glory of Jesus our God, ourselves in glory with him. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this hope that we have in you. 
And Lord, you've, you've written these things in the scriptures for our hope and our, you know, just to strengthen us as we endeavor to endure and keep walking with you in this world. But Lord, you said we're to fix our eyes on you, to keep our gaze on you, to behold your glory, full of grace and truth. And so Lord, we do that right now in our hearts. We look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before you endured the cross, despising its shame, and you're sat down now at the right hand of God. We worship you. We bow before you. We humble ourselves before you. And we say thank you. To you be all the glory, all the honor, all of our praise. And just as believers in the room, if you just stay in an attitude of prayer right now, I want to give an opportunity to anyone here that doesn't know Jesus yet. You've never said yes to Jesus, or maybe at some point you did. Maybe at some point you thought you did, but you're just not really sure where you stand with God today. You've, you've just got some doubts. Listen, you can, you can come to God through Jesus Christ, believing what he's promised, believing in his son. You can come to God and say, yeah, I see in my heart I'm just not right. And I want to get right with you. So what I'm asking here is if you've never come to Christ, you've never said yes to Jesus. Oh, maybe you've thought about it. Maybe you kind of, but I'm going to encourage you, exhort you. You have no idea how long God's going to give you. In fact, we just saw the tsunami that hit. Took a whole surprise. All of a sudden, this whole band was right. I don't know if you saw that. Indonesia. You just don't know. And that's, that's the... That's the that's the truth. You just don't know. But God does. So I'm going to encourage you. Today is the day. I said, don't, don't harden your heart this morning, please. But rather, open your heart to the Holy Spirit's voice to you and make that decision. You see, I'm going to ask you to do three simple things. First of all, just to raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. Secondly, I'm going to ask you to stand because in standing, that's being obedient to the gospel. And when you obey God, he always backs that up. When you stand before us, God's going to wipe away all the doubts, all the fears, all the excuses that you've had, all the things that reason you haven't. As you stand, he will back up your decision. I'm going to ask you to walk up to one of the tables and there'll be someone there that will pray for you and pray with you in repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus. So if that's you, just as we're praying, first of all, just begin, just raise up your hand. We had someone in this first service that raised her hand. It was awesome. That's you. I, I just want to know that I know I've made this confession of Jesus Christ as Lord. So as we're praying, that's you. Just and if you keep your hand up just so I don't miss that. That's you. We're praying. So would you stand? Let's sing this last song standing together. Hi, I'm Kevin Day, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel South. I really hope you enjoyed the message and that God spoke to your heart through it. If you'd like to know more about our church and find other messages to watch, head over to ccskent.org. And I would love to meet you at one of our Sunday services. God bless you.